Thank you for joining us today. At Cross Church, we believe people need Jesus, people need each other, people change the world, and people leave legacies. Our desire is for you to understand, accept, and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Cross Church, please visit crosschurch.com. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be here with each and every one of you today. I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Nick Bethay. I've got the privilege of serving right here at Cross Church Fayetteville as our campus pastor here. Um, My wife and I are so grateful we get to be here, and I am so grateful that I get the opportunity to open up God's Word with you today. So if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you have one with you, to Philippians chapter 4. My hope and my prayer for each and every one of you in the room here today is that this passage will not only speak life into you this morning, but that it will act as an encouragement to each and every one of you this coming year as well. As you guys turn to Philippians chapter 4, I have a question for you. Uh, did anybody in the room just absolutely dread New Year's resolutions? Show me a show of hands. Do you dread New Year's resolutions? You see, I've never been a big fan of them myself. I don't know about you, but this idea that I'm going to go on this physically fit journey while it's 10 degrees outside is just not something that seems super appealing or obtainable for me. I feel awful after eating sweet potato casserole for two straight weeks, acting like it's not just some dessert. Yes, but I'm not going to go on a physically fit journey for the next 12 months. That's just not what's going to happen. You know, New Year's resolutions, they can be tough. They can be tough on you when you set them every year and then you feel like you fail year after year. And they're especially tough when they focus on things that are here today, but that they're gone tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying that being physically fit or setting goals in general is necessarily a bad thing, but what I am saying is that it's obviously tougher when you're thinking about things and you're working towards things that have no eternal purpose. And that is why we as a church like to begin our year focused on something different, our spiritual lives. As Nick just said on the video, each year we take the first 21 days of January and we focus our lives on Jesus. Not to the neglect of the rest of the days of the year, but we want to be intentional to start our year off right. And this year, as Pastor Nick said, he's asking each and every one of us in the congregation to identify our number one burden and then intentionally pray over that burden for these 21 days. I have friends, and I can even attest to it myself, that would say that each and every year that we do these 21 days of prayer, God moves in miraculous ways. So if you would, my greatest encouragement to each of you is that you would join us on this 21-day journey as we give these 21 days as a focus to Jesus, giving him our number one burden on our hearts and giving it over to the Lord. So, Without further ado, it's time for us to jump into our passage. Again, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, specifically in verses 4 through 8. Paul is writing this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Growing up, a phrase that I heard often was, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. Now, what did that phrase mean? It meant that I was either going to talk about it or I was going to do something about it. I will either talk about the things that I know to be true in my personal life or I'm actually going to put those things into practice. Another phrase that I grew up hearing and that I often use myself is this phrase, I know it's easier said than done. Now, what is this communicating? It's saying that it's one thing to know something, but it's on a whole nother level to actually do these things. You see, in our Christian walk, this is sometimes one of the most difficult things for us. For those of us in the room who have been saved and we know the truths of the scriptures, you know what you're to do, but you don't always necessarily put it into practice. You see, this is what Paul is addressing here to the church in Philippi. You see, Paul has previously visited and he's heard of some things that the people there were struggling with, that there were potentially even a quarrel or an argument between some of the church's members. And he's writing here this encouragement to them to hold on to the truths that they know and to also put those truths into practice. You see, Paul desperately wants them to understand that in the midst of what they are experiencing, that they are to turn to God and trust in him. Church, the truth that we can glean from this passage this morning, our main idea that we can hold to this morning is this that God wants you to bring him your burdens and live in freedom. God wants you to bring him your burdens and to live in freedom. And if we're going to live this life where we give God our burdens and we're going to live in freedom, we're going to have to first adjust our mindset. Let's look at verse 4 where Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You see, this joy or rejoicing that Paul is referencing here and he's calling these believers to is not some happiness that is dependent upon circumstances, but instead it's a commitment that comes only from the Lord. We don't always like the cards that we've been dealt in life. You might not have liked the gifts that you just received underneath the Christmas tree, but no matter what the situation is that you are walking through in your life, we are called in this passage to have joy in spite of those circumstances. You know, many years ago, um, there was this trend of these six-second videos, and they'd post them out, and there were these videos that could be um, all sorts of different things. Um, and there was a video that got really popular, and in this video, there's a little boy about three or four years old that's sitting uh, behind a couple of Christmas gifts. Now, what's happening in this video is there's a mom and a dad behind the camera, and this is actually a few days before Christmas. And what the mom and dad were trying to do is they were trying to prepare this little boy to have the right reaction or the right response to opening up a gift on Christmas morning that he may not have liked. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like genius-level parenting. So in this video, you see this little boy open up this gift, and who would be, what do you know? It's an avocado. Not a great gift for your kid. If that's the type of gift you give your kid, we can talk at first time guests later and we'll talk through your parenting style. But he opens up this avocado and if you've seen this video, I don't know if his reaction is real or fake, but he goes, oh, an avocado, thanks. See, these parents were trying to train him that no matter what he saw on Christmas morning that he would have the correct response. But all joking aside, what we must remember 
is that when Paul is writing this letter to this church, he is writing from a prison to a group of people who are under Roman authority. And no matter what he's referencing here, whether it's his situation or the audience's, what we see is that God is already aware of the situation that they are in. Church, I want to remind you of something. That if we wait to rejoice until all circumstances in life are perfect, we will be waiting until our last breath. The rejoicing that we see Paul calling us to in this passage is a rejoicing that comes from a right perspective of a believer. Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous theologian, once said this, People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or to take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted um, uh, by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Church, joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Let me remind you this morning that God knows the situation that you're in, the prison that you're in, no matter what it is, and he is with you. As we continue on and thinking about this idea of adjusting our mindset, Paul continues to write in verse five, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Another word that can be used for reasonableness here could either be graciousness or gentleness or even meekness. Because we have this rejoiceful heart, it should lead us to a life of gentleness to those that are around us. This gentleness was represented incredibly well in the life of Jesus. I want you to think back to the woman who was set up in adultery and was brought to Jesus. Think about how Jesus approached the woman at the well. It was with a gentleness or a meekness that was not only not shown back in those days, but it's something that we we don't commonly see here today either. So let me ask you this question. Has there ever been someone in your personal life that has exemplified this type of gentleness? You know, as I was preparing this sermon, uh, God began to bring up names of men and women in my life that exemplify this well, that make their reasonableness known to those around them. And this list, it was not exhaustive to every single person who has shown these characteristics or these traits, but I do think it's worth the time to honor a few of these men. One of them is a man named Ron Proctor. And some of you in this room, you know Ron. Ron has a smile on his face always. He always has a kind, encouraging word to say to me and to those around him. His perspective on the things of life seems to always be correct. Mr. Ron lets his reasonableness be known to those around him. Another person that came to mind was a man named Paul Jones. Mr. Paul often reminds me that he's praying for me, but I know that it goes beyond me. Because week after week after week, I watch Mr. Paul interact with people with a zeal of the Lord in his face that you could never fake. He genuinely cares for the people around him. For Mr. Paul, his reasonableness is known to those around him. And another one uh, is Mr. Stan Morris. Now, I know many of the people in the room here today know Mr. Stan. There are quite a few of you who've probably had your lives impacted by Mr. Stan because of how he serves and how he prays and how he loves. 
Mr. Stan may be the most gentle man that I know. His outlook and his perspective are ones of meekness, power under control. He knows so much, he's so knowledgeable, and he's so skilled, yet that's not what you see come from Mr. Stan. What you see is a gentle man who cares deeply for those around him, no matter the circumstance. For Mr. Stan, he lets his reasonableness be made known to all that are around him. So church, I have a question for you. Is that something that can be said of you? For Christian in the, the Christian in the room, is that something that could be said of you? I must ask myself on a daily basis, is that something that could be said of me? Do I let my reasonableness be made known due to the overjoy in my heart, the rejoicing in my heart to those that are around me? But Paul continues on, again, under this theme of adjusting our mindset, and he writes about something that is so prevalent in our society today. He addresses the issue of worry and anxiety. He writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I was growing up, um, I had a lot of interesting things about my childhood bedroom. Uh, I was raised in South Carolina, so I'm a big Clemson fan. So my entire room was orange and purple. The entire room was orange and purple. I'm also a big Denver Broncos fan. I can go into why later. Um, but I also had these things called fatheads, or which were these giant stickers of John Elway and of Terrell Davis on my wall as well. It was just a combination of things. As you can tell, I've grown up to be an incredible interior designer as well, mixing the blues and the purples and the oranges. And I don't know how as a kid I ever got a good night of sleep with that bright orange wall, but that's beside the point. My parents were great to let me do so. But one of the unique features in my bedroom for many years of my childhood was this fish that was on a wall. Now this fish wasn't a real fish, although one of my favorite hobbies as a kid was going fishing. It was my favorite things in the world, but this fish, particular fish was not real, but it was on a pl plaque that I believe we got from Bass Pro Shops. And under this fish was a little red button. And every time, I hear the chuckles already, every time you press that red button, the fish would begin to sing a certain song. And I know that I press that button 8 to 10 to 12 to 20 times a day to listen to this song. Some of you today are having flashbacks that you do not want to have, and you're about to have a song stuck in your head that you did not want to have stuck in your head for the rest of the day. But every time I would press that red button, a song would play, don't worry, be happy. Raise your hands if you know what song I'm talking about. We had 100% in the first service. Everybody in the room knows that song. I want to read a little portion of the, the last verse from that song. It says this, Now there is this song I wrote. I hope you learned it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. Now listen to what I said. In your life, expect some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. But don't worry, be happy, be happy now. I'm telling you, I was this close to singing it, but I'm so bad, like so bad. It would have made it even worse for you. But these are some pretty simple, yet wise and profound words from the man who wrote this song, Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. If you worry, you're just going to make it twice as hard. Has anyone ever been told what good is worrying going to do anyway? So here's what you do. You just stop worrying. That's what the song here is trying to teach anyway. But I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, 
That's way easier said than done. You're saying, Nick, I know that I'm not supposed to worry, but I don't know what to do about it. Well, you see, often I believe that we want to combat anxiety or worry or the things that cause those things by either adding things to our life or shoving those things away. We think that if we shove the anxiety or the problem that's causing the anxiety under the rug, maybe, just maybe, it'll, it won't come back until another day and we can deal with it then. Or maybe if I follow one more protocol that's been prescribed to me, all of my worries will go away. Now, I want to be clear about something as I say this. I am an advocate for Christian therapy and Christian counseling. I think it is a good supplement to help many people as they deal with worry and anxiety and all of the different things in our life. But what I am trying to say is that scripture right here is clearly laying out what we should turn to as our primary source to rid ourselves of anxiety. What we're learning is that the medicine for the curing of anxiety actually comes from taking things away, from taking things away, from stripping things away that are simply just noise in our lives. Casting our anxieties to the Lord and casting our anxieties to the Lord looks like stripping all of these things away that create so much noise in our lives so that we can focus on him. So that he can take those worries and he can take those burdens away. And when we do this, what we see is that we're able to then fill our minds with the right things. The things of the Lord. So maybe, just maybe, for some of us in the room here today, it's time to turn off Fox News. It's time to turn off CNN. It's time to turn off whatever news station you've decided to listen to. Just maybe... It's time for us to turn off the noise that the world keeps telling us uh, that the world is falling apart. And instead of doing that, we begin to fill our mind with these things. It's time to sit in silence and solitude and to seek the Lord. Church, don't put your faith and your hope in the things of this world. Put your hope and your faith in the one who created you. And Christian, the one who saved you. So today... I think it's appropriate to ask, what's causing you anxiety? What's causing you worry? What is that one burden in your life here this morning? I don't think there's a better place for, than right here for me to share that I have these same things going on in my life. I don't want this to be a situation where it feels as if I am preaching to you or at you, and this isn't something that I have to wrestle with in my own personal life. You know, my number one thing that causes me anxiety in my life is my, my, the thought, the lie that I believe that I need to make God proud of me. Now, I know for many of you, you probably think that is a, a crazy thing to say. You know that if I've been saved, that I acknowledge my sin and I've turned and put my faith and trust in Jesus, that I have a God that loves me no matter what. But I allow this lie from time to time to creep in, believing that I need to do something in my own personal life to make God proud of me. And sometimes when you're walking through those moments of anxiety, and I know that some of you in the room can resonate with this with me today, it feels like there's nowhere to go. It feels like there's no way out because you just can't fix the issue on your own. However, as Paul writes right here to the church in Philippi in this book of Philippians, we see that there is a way. Through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I can make my requests. We can make 
our requests made known to God. This is how I go from trying to perform to make God proud of me to walking in freedom knowing that God already loves me. This is how I become reminded daily that God loves me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on our cross and raise again in three days, defeating death so that I could have a relationship with him. This is how I receive the daily reminder that God hears my prayers each and every day. Now, I do think it's appropriate for us to break this verse down just a little bit because we see a couple of different things here. We see uh, the mention of both prayer and supplication. You see, prayer is more of a broad, general term. It's all of our communication with God. But this word supplication, supplication is directly asking God to do something. It's directly asking God to do something. And I believe that some of us in the room here today may sometimes shy away from this aspect in our communication with God. Now, God is no magic genie that we go to when we want something new or we want a new car or one of this or one of that. But what we see here uh, is that when we seek freedom and we seek deliverance in our lives, that God gives us complete access to him and he is begging us to ask for it. So church, let me encourage you this morning to be bold. Go to your heavenly father who loves you and seek him because he wants to hear from you. You see, God already knows our requests before we pray them. Yet I do believe that he will often wait for our participation through both prayer and supplication before he grants that which we have requested. I want to remind you of one more thing this morning. God shows up when you pray. Anybody a testimony of that this morning? Anybody have a testimony that God shows up when you pray? He shows up when you come to him and you lay the things you're struggling with at the foot of the cross. So whatever your thing is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your burden is this morning that's gripping you and entangling you, make a commitment to give that over to the Lord today. You know, many years ago, um, I started this uh, mentor relationship with a guy who was in college. Um, He just, he sought me out and he wanted to walk through some different things that he was dealing with in his life. Uh, And we would meet, meet every week Uh, every other week, every month, whatever was necessary in this time. And we would walk through scripture and we just talk about the practical things of life. And one of the things that became a common theme throughout he and I's meetings together is that he was dealing with a lot of worry in his life about things, about personal things he was walking through in that very moment, but also things about what were to come in the future and how was God going to take care of this or what am I actually being called to for the rest of my life? So I had him do something. I told him to take a piece of paper and I wanted him to write down every single worry, every single concern, every single thing that was gripping him in that moment down on that piece of paper about the present and about the future. And then when he did that, uh, he wrote, he put it in an envelope and we sealed that envelope up. And what we did on the front of that envelope is we put the date of that day, but one year later. And we set reminders in our phones to make sure that we opened that envelope up one year later. Well, a year goes by Um, Our alarms go off that it's time to open up the envelope. He looks at it, and then we came together to look at it. And let me tell you something. Thing after thing after thing that was gripping him, that was causing him anxiety, that he had him worried, God answered every single one of them. He took every single one of them, took care of it all. 
And it was almost a time where we got to not only rejoice, but almost laugh at some of the things that he was worried about because of just how small they seemed in hindsight. But as you know, when you're walking through those things, they don't seem so small. But we were able to look back and to see, man, look how faithful God was to this. You know, I gave this to the Lord and he just took care of it. And I was worried about this, but look where we are right now. God takes care of these things. He's calling us to come to him with it. Now he and I are doing it again. I actually have the envelope this time and it's sitting in my office right now. And we'll open that thing up and we will continue to walk through that process for the rest of time. And I don't know what God's calling you to. Maybe God's calling you to seek out that type of accountability for your own personal life. Maybe you need somebody that y'all can exchange that together and you can give those things up to the Lord and that is your next step. But whatever your next step is today, I know, I know without a fact, without a doubt that God is leading you toward a life that does not include being gripped by worry or anxiety, but he's leading you towards a life of freedom that can only be found in him. Don't forget, God wants you to bring him your burdens and to live in freedom. As we continue on into verse 7, we see Paul write, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace that we see Paul referencing here is a peace of a perfectly content and in control God. Maybe you need to hear that again today. We as Christians serve, honor, glorify, praise, exalt a perfectly in control God. He isn't frazzled. He never gets out of whack. He is a God of peace. In the midst of what may seem to be chaos in your life, rest in that truth that God is in control. We see then Paul then instructs his audience to guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And this word that he uses, this guard, is actually a military action. It is a literal defense of the mind that comes only from the peace of God. The picture that actually comes to my mind as I think through this guarding uh, is the tomb of the unknown soldier in Washington, D.C., some of you in the room may have visited that. And if you have, you know that there are soldiers that are standing guard of that tomb 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. No matter the weather or the circumstances surrounding them, there are no exceptions. They will be guarding that tomb. This is the type of guarding that I imagine Paul is referencing here. The peace of God that comes from constant prayer and supplication with thanksgiving will be a defense of our minds that is not penetrable. It never takes a break, no matter what sort of chaos is happening around us. You see, church, when we go to God with our worries and our anxieties, or with something that could potentially even cause these things, he grants peace to us. And it's a peace that's so great that it's incomprehensible. It's so good that it doesn't even make sense. And it's in these moments that we must remember the God that we serve, the God that's in control, the God that's all-knowing and that's all-powerful, the God of peace. As Paul concludes this section of Scripture, he writes this, Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul comes here in these next couple of sentences in this letter and he leads us into what we are to fill our minds with. You know, as a kid, I was taught that whatever I put in is what I would get out. You know, that's true in sports. It's true for what we put in our bodies and keeping our bodies in shape. And it's also true of what we allow in our minds. But again, I get it. This is something that's easier said than done. It's easy to know that we should eat vegetables and and, and eat protein, but those little Debbie trees are just delicious. It's easy to fill ourselves with, with crud, with the things that make us feel good in the moment, that give us this false sense of instant gratification, but we all know what ends up happening. It hurts in the long run. So here, Paul gives distinct, clear direction to what we are to be filled up with. Whatever is true. Church, in a world where there are so many lies being thrown our way, we must hold on to what is true. Let me tell you something. This is true. This is truth. Whatever is honorable, God and God alone deserves our honor. We must honor him with our lives. Whatever is just and pure and lovely, commendable and excellent, these are the things that are worthy of our praise. Church, again, God and God alone is worthy of our praise, our time, our thoughts, our actions, our everything. So if you've ever wondered, how can you live free? How can I live free? This right here is how you do it. This is how you live a life of freedom. So in our final day of 2023, And as we look forward to 2024, I believe that each and every one of us here today is being called to action. For some of you, it's committing yourself to Jesus for the very first time. Today is the day of salvation for you. You have heard all of these things this morning about bringing God your burdens and living in freedom, but you've never experienced the freedom that can only come from a personal relationship with Jesus. As Paul writes in Ephesians, you need to take off your old self and put on the new. If that's you, you can have that today. Today can be the day of salvation for you. We're gonna have staff all down front in front of this stage at this altar, and they would love to talk to you about what it looks like to fully surrender your life to Jesus and to live in freedom. For many of you, today is a day that you need to lay your greatest burden or your greatest burdens at the foot of the cross. You filled your life with many things, but not the right things. And it's time to give up those things of the past and to walk in freedom with God. Some of you have a person that have been on your heart for the last 30, 45 minutes up to the last year. You need to come lay those burdens. You need to come lay that burden at the foot of the cross. And I just ask you one question, why not today? My encouragement to each and every person here today is to get on your knees this morning before you leave this place and give those things up to the Lord. You can join me. I'm gonna be on my knees right here 
sharing the burden that is on my heart, sharing the anxiety that I shared with each and every one of you that sometimes can creep in and grip my life. And I'm going to give those things up to the Lord. I have some people in my life that I need to give to the Lord. So would you join me today? The altar is open. Let's respond to the Lord as he leads. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. Lord, thank you so much for loving us so much that you would send your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and being raised again so that each and every one of us could have a relationship with you. Thank you for loving us no matter what. Lord, I pray for the person that's in this room, the people that are here today that need to surrender their lives to you for the first time. God, I, I pray for boldness in those people that they would stand up and come up front and talk to one of these men or women about surrendering their lives to you. Lord, would you draw them to yourself today? God, I pray for all of us. Lord, we all carry things. But Lord, we also know that we're not meant to carry them. We're meant to let those things go and to give them to you and to walk in freedom. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day where many walk in freedom with you. So Lord, we give these final moments with you. You deserve all the honor, the glory, and the praise. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like more information about your relationship with Jesus, please email us at info at crosschurch.com or visit our website at crosschurch.com. At Crosschurch, our mission is to reach Northwest Arkansas, America, and the world for Jesus Christ.